This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Uh, one question here. I'll just start with this and see where we go, okay? Um, the question is about some people think that you just have to wrestle and fight and everything with the devil. All right, is that a lot of teaching that goes on? You've got to fight with the devil and kind of wrestle, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood, is that right? Um, but um, trying to get people to see that there's a position of faith in doing that. Um, and I hope I uh, can help you with this uh, if I'm understanding it right. The, um, you take authority over the devil and don't give him any more of your time than it's necessary. Okay, why? Because Jesus has already given us the victory. Now, I do realize in some teaching on prayer, all right, where it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against, you know, but against principalities and powers and that type of thing, it's talking about our prayer armor. Is that right? Amen? But you don't literally fight with the devil in prayer, do you? Stay away from teaching that gets you all worked up in the flesh. Unless you're worshiping God. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? But when, if we think the victory has a lot to do with us, with our, our own flesh and our own strength and our own might, uh, listen, uh, it doesn't matter who you are. You can utter the name of Jesus in faith and the devil's got to flee. Okay? But I, I don't know every wind of doctrine there. Um, you know, the scripture where it says being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Notice it doesn't say every wind of wrong doctrine or even false doctrine. You can be tossed to and fro by any kind of doctrine. What a, I got a call one time from a lady that said, uh, uh, she said, my mother lives near your church. Would you go pray with her and visit her? And I said, well, well sure. So I went and did, and I noticed that this lady had a bunch of tapes, but she's facing cancer, all right? She had cancer two other times. Her daughter had come in, prayed with her, and she was healed in two earlier instances of, being, of having cancer, all right? Now a third, this has been over a period of 10 years, finally, another kind of cancer came against her, and her daughter couldn't get up to pray for her. And that's why the daughter called, wanted me to go over and do something. So I started talking to her. And she said, uh, first of all, the, uh, the lady uh, started comparing me to her daughter right away. She doesn't know me. And I said, well, I said, what I can do is I can get you some tapes. I'm going to get you some tapes. I'm going to come over and visit you on a regular basis Let's get, your, let's get feeding on the Word of God here. I said, what do you, what do you listen to on those tapes? She says, it's a great series. Um, and what it was is it was a series by somebody that I knew on, uh, on the, uh, end time events and teaching on what heaven's going to be like. And do you think I could get her to open her Bible to... She didn't even want to hear scriptures on healing. She says, oh, just, just do what my daughter does. It'll be all right. 
She wasn't going to see. She had a wind of doctrine. She wanted to talk about what the, you know, who the Antichrist was going to be. Well, she's in heaven now. And guess who got blamed? I did. Did I pray for her? Yes, I prayed for her. But you know, over a span of 10 years, that person should have grown up a little bit and started feeding their faith. So any wind of doctrine, there was nothing wrong with those tapes that she was listening to. It's just she should have been building her faith up on something else. Amen? When you're pastoring, you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and teach what He wants you to teach, not what you want to teach. I don't know if I answered that question, but all right. Uh, a logical way. A lot of things that I teach, it doesn't come across as logical to somebody that doesn't want to know. You know that? People that are open, like you folks, and you want teaching. I mean, it's easy to teach here in these, this class. I mean, it's easy. Okay? You get out there and somebody wants to argue with you, it's not so easy. Okay? Just tell them, okay, just, hey, fight on. If you want to you want to roll on the floor and fight with the devil? Go ahead. <laughs> but I'm going to go have a cup of coffee. You know what I'm talking about? You want to wrestle with the devil? Feel free. I don't care. But sometimes these, these doctrines are kind of silly if once you begin to understand what Jesus has already done for us. Now don't get me wrong. We have our part to play. I said we have our part to play. We need to go and take dominion and go preach and lay hands on the sick. We've got our part to play. We do the possible. He does the impossible. Okay? That's how we work together with God. All right? But some, some folks, uh, when they get desperate enough, they'll listen. I've noticed over the years people that didn't like me, they didn't like uh, being in our church, they didn't like the worship there, they didn't like this. I'll be honest with you, I didn't like my church a lot of times either. <laughs> There's a lot of times I just, because uh, I had people always wanting to fight. You know, they wanted to argue. They didn't want to, this group was jealous over this group and vice versa, you know. You want an example of that? If you have 10 young ladies in your church all believing God for a husband, <laughs> woe unto the day that the first one gets their prayer answered. Oh my. It's not a good day. <laughs> Other than for the one, hopefully. Hopefully. Anyway. And uh, somebody wants me to explain Paul's, um, is this the, uh, the thorn in Paul's flesh? Is this what the question is about? Is that what this is about? You know, what that teaching is? Okay. Okay. Um, you're not writing up questions on that back row up there just to keep me busy, are you? <laughs> All right. Um, Paul's thorn in the flesh, if you'll study it out, it was a, uh, uh, it was, if you study it, it'll find out that it was an evil something or other that came against him because of the revelation that he had. All right? When uh, Paul was asking, you know, God to deal with it, when, when God told him, said, uh, uh, the Lord told him, said, that my grace is sufficient for thee. He's basically telling Paul, you deal with it. Do you understand that? Just like Brother Hagin was teaching, he said, no, no, my grace 
is sufficient for you. Okay? But I'm going to guarantee you, you start walking with God and you start doing some things for God, the devil puts a target on you. Okay? And if you sit back all the time and just say, gee, why is God allowing this to happen? It's just like what Brother Hagin was teaching when that, that spirit came in between him and Jesus and throwing smoke all over and stuff. Brother Hagin had to deal with that. Okay? And when we get a thorn in the flesh, and all of us have had them, okay? All of us have had something to deal with. And it's just like, uh, like an aggravation sometimes. Sometimes it's finances. Sometimes it's uh, physical pain. Uh, it, it could be just any kind of thing, all right? But God's grace is sufficient. That, that power that he's made available to us is enough to get us through. What I don't think is good is the type of preaching that says your entire life is going to be as heaven on earth. We're not here to create our own heaven. Heaven is heaven. There's no enemies in heaven. Do you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. If you want the easy life, get out of the ministry. If you want the easy life, if you think walking with God is the way of least resistance, when you're walking with God, every day is easy. Everything is just everything just goes your way, you know? People on the street start singing songs with your name in it. <laughs> oh, the power of God. If you think life is life, you think life, everyone walks up and gives you thousands of dollars all the time? Do you really think that's what life is about? No. 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 But there'll be days like that. There's going to be great times. Like God's going to take care of you. Amen. God's going to take care of you. I told you, you got to get quit burned out of you, right? Quit. When things get hard, quit. See, my wife and I were serving God full-time in ministry. We were the ones that, want, that wanted children. And yet, it was my brother and my sister. Their joke was that they just shook hands with their, their spouse and they got pregnant. <laughs> I'm sure that's not good doctrine. All right? As a matter of fact, my brother is a doctor, and I, he said something like that one time, and I said, Bill, sit down. We need to go over some things. But they had kids. They both had, my brother and sister, uh, uh, with their spouses, they had four children before we ever had one. We had to believe God. And it wasn't easy. And you know where it was the toughest? Amongst the Christians. There must be something wrong. You must have some sort of sin in your life. There must be some, there must be some hidden thing. You're serving God. And then the prophecies came. I finally told one uh, lady, I said, I said, dear sister, you've come too late. She goes, what? She gave me a word. I said, no, you've come too late. She goes, what? I said, yeah, I've read my Bible. You've come too late. I know what it says. She's the one that came and said, and others said, that if you have kids, you can't obey God in ministry. Yeah, thank you very much. 
So we found out later on it took, you know, there was some things wrong with my wife's body, two separate things that would keep her from having babies. Either one. But before we found out that, we had a son. Hello? <laughs> Evidently, we just figured it out after 13 years how to have kids. I don't know. People had all kinds of, well, you, you know, you, there's something hindering your faith. They had, everybody had, it was all us. My thorn in the flesh was often the church I was pastoring. Yet here's my mom who had not received the Lord yet. Okay? She wasn't saved yet. You know what she was doing? She was knitting baby clothes. Came into the, their house one day and I said, Mom, what? I looked at all the baby things she'd made, you know, little, little things and, you know, these little caps. Now, she was, you know, not everything fit. Matter of fact, I think I was able to wear some of them. But that's my mom. She'd get some of them decent. But anyway, uh, she, uh, I'd come in and i go, who's pregnant? And she looked at me and said, son, you will be. I said, I agree with that. She's unsaved. Talking like somebody that was walking by faith. My wife went to be examined by a doctor who was a Catholic man. A Catholic doctor. He never, he, before he ever examined her, you know what he said to her? Mrs. Beebe, you will have children. And I couldn't get that in our own church. Are you listening to me? So sometimes the thorn, God gives you the grace to get through some of this. And sometimes my worst enemy is me. Is me. Matter of fact, the most powerful person that causes you the most problem, you probably looked at the mirror at and saw today. It's our carnal mind that's an enmity against God. Okay? Satan's not the enemy that he thinks he is because he's a defeated foe. He's already beat. All right, I've got other things here. Uh, Who said this in Scripture, Satan, the Lord rebuke thee? Where is that in Scripture? Old Testament and it was an angel, is that right? Was that disputing over the body of... Was that what that was? Okay, a couple of keys to understanding that. Old Testament, okay? Something's happened between then and now. It's called the cross. You see? Okay. Um, she asked, did, the, did he say uh, uh, about the God, uh, could God rebuke the devil for us? He's not going to do it. Um, God really did rebuke the devil when Jesus died on the cross. <laughs> that is the ultimate rebuke. And our victory comes is when we agree with what God has already done in Christ Jesus. Okay. All right. I mean, if you'll put up with something, I mean, if you're going to put up with something, okay, enjoy it. You know what I'm talking about? If there's something bothering you, but if you're just going to put up with it, if you're going to put up with it, just it's yours. How many know there's some things you can change? You can push back on some things. 
if I had somebody going by our house uh, on a regular basis and uh, dumping garbage onto the, onto the yard, and I, oh, I just don't want to mess with him. I just don't want to argue with that guy. Guess what I just, oh, you know, I'm going to have garbage on my yard. Oh, that happened to me, by the way. Our next door neighbor. He stopped when I went over and talked to him. Yep. He didn't think I knew he was, we have a fence in between. He was dumping things over in the back of our yard. Of course, I was out in the yard a couple of times just watching him. He didn't see me. If we, if you want to put up with it, put up with it. But there are certain things you can push back on. All right? And concerning evil spirits and that, you better push back. Okay? Where did all these questions come from? I rebuke these questions. Oh, excuse me. Would you rebuke these for me? No. In receiving healing by faith, what practical steps are involved? Wow, that's a big question. I can only give you a few in just a short time without teaching the whole subject. Um, on receiving healing, you have to understand it's already yours. Did you know you can't do one other thing to get God into the mood to heal you? It's done. Done. Now there are steps to faith. Is that not right? There are steps, and there's certain things that, you know, having faith in God's Word and, you know, believing it and confessing it. Amen? Spend most of your time thanking God that it's what? Already done. That's what we did with having kids. We just thank God. I saw myself the day, I, I, years ahead of time, I saw myself with my wife bringing me the news that she was pregnant. Now, people think I probably went crazy. I did not. I did not. Uh, just, just, hallelujah. I already done my, you know, my believing, my praising by faith and thanking God it's done. I saw myself holding a baby. All right? Amen. Talk about shockers, though, is when I went on staff at Rama in 1993, my wife, the same month that we showed up there, comes to me and she goes, I think I'm pregnant. <laughs> I'm not real good in math, mathematics. That was never a great area with me. Okay, English? Yes. I can spell a lot of words. All right? I can put sentences together, write chapters in books and stuff like this. Just don't give me numbers. I don't know why. My brother's just the opposite. All right? But uh, my mind instantly calculated how old I was going to be when my daughter graduated from high school, which was earlier this year. Amen? That's when I was crazy. I was crazy for about three weeks after I heard that my wife was pregnant. And I'm 42 years old. That was fun. Up until the time I'm carrying this little baby around and people say, is that your granddaughter? <laughs> Paul never had thorns like I've had. <laughs> 
I had a lady stop me going from the uh, big church building, going back to my office at Ramah, and I had my daughter, and she's just about a year old, and she didn't have much hair at all. She was very deficient in hair. <laughs> Not true today, but uh, at that time. Uh, but my wife would put a bow on her head, and that Sunday, I was carrying her, she had this pink and white, all frilly little dress with the, uh, you know, stockings on and, and uh, beautiful little, you know, white shoes on it. And she looked like a little doll is what she looked like. Everything was pink. And uh, this one student comes up and says, oh, is this your grandbaby? I said, no, I'm the daddy. Her next question was just a little bit more ridiculous. Is it a boy or a girl? I am not kidding you. So I told my wife, I mean, I, I said, you're going to have to dress our daughter up to look a little bit more girlish. Yeah, I know, it was impossible. It was impossible. Of course, my daughter and I started to match after a while because uh, when she got walking around, she always had to carry a little purse with her, but she'd get tired of carrying the purse, so she's always handed me her purse. Daddy, carry this for me. <laughs> so I'd be going through stores with a purse. Sorry, I was trained. My wife did that to me for years. Maybe over here men don't carry women's purses. You don't do that? I need to learn from you. <laughs> I don't want to hear some of the things that are being said right now. Okay, when we order devils to leave, uh, where do we send them? To the abyss? No, you can't send them to the abyss. But you can send them out. To the abyss. You don't, you don't, you just tell devils to go. Okay? Now I'm going to tell you something. When you do that, you better be ready to spend some time with that person and teach them, or that thing will try to come back. Okay? Now it's, Christianity is a, a, a lot about relationship. It's not just some dramatic show where we show up and the power of God falls and then we go. Pastors can't do that, although a lot of them try to. Let's see. Uh, does the believer have the authority to command demons to what? Die? <laughs> Go ahead. Good luck with that one. Uh, now, this, this is a serious question. This bothers somebody. But it, uh, listen, no, that's, that's not it. I mean... Uh, when we think of die, a lot of times we think of dead like a dog in a ditch. Uh, the, uh, the word for death actually uh, means separation. Hello? They mean separation. And these things are eternally separated from God already. They live in a constant realm of death and destruction. Uh, probably torment, too, if we knew every part of it. Uh, we tell them to get, they have to go. I haven't read this third one, but uh, uh, I'm gonna, uh, I've had people say to me, what if I resist the devil and he doesn't flee? 
And here's my question. Did you see him stay? <laughs> Does that not make sense? Because how did they know he didn't go? I have dominion over this. Yeah, right. No, but no, come on. We've all had crazy thinking, haven't we? Yeah. Um, over the years. And as you grow, you, you, you begin to understand some things. All right? Uh, don't spend a lot of time with devils, even worried about them. Amen? Uh, just don't worry about them. When you run into them, especially if they start talking out loud to you, deal with them. You don't have to sit there and listen to him. I was laying hands on one lady, and uh, we were told that these were all ministers. We happened to be in the continent of Africa this time, and uh, people were wanting to receive the Holy Spirit, so we had 160-some uh, ministers come forward to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit at the same time. And I, I wasn't teaching, but they wanted me to help minister, so I had some uh, interpreters with me, and I'm going down this big row like this, and... and uh, I made the mistake is that when I went to pray and say, you know, receive you the Holy Spirit, and then they, we'd already taught them about, you know, begin to yield. And so when they began to speak, I'd ask my interpreters, you know, do you under, are they saying anything you understand? No. Do you understand this? No. Between them, they had like five or six different dialects that they understood. So we figured if, if that person was speaking, other, that was the Holy Ghost, all right? I came up, and there's this little tiny lady all curled up with a blanket over her head, and I'm just thinking, okay, you know, and I put out my hand and was just about to say, receive the Holy Ghost, and she turned into a German shepherd dog. That's what she did. That's exactly what she sounded like. You know what a German shepherd dog is? It's a big animal. She barked and growled and snarled, and my eyes were closed. And it made me mad because it frightened me. You know? You know what I'm talking about? And it's going on, and it's right there. And it made me, I just told the spirit to leave her. It turns out that she was an animist. And, uh, you know what that is? Uh, with the believing and, and that type of thing. And so she was, uh, she didn't really have any idea what she was even standing in line for. But some people went and ministered to her. She got saved. Then she got filled with the Holy Ghost. She got set free. So, uh, uh, anyway, what I learned is don't close your eyes when you're praying for people. But when those things manifest, just tell them to get. I'm not going to let them wiggle on the floor like a serpent in front of me and ruin a good meeting. I'm going to tell them, stop it, get out, and if they still try to do it, I have people pick them up and take them right on out. That devil is not going to show up and show off and take all the attention. We're not going to play those games, especially if I'm the pastor of the church. Devil don't come in. He's, he doesn't have a part to play. Amen? Okay? We had some teaching years ago that you have to throw up to be delivered. While you're delivered, you have to throw up. Well, that's a great message. I mean, you know, to vomit. Vomit the devils out. God's never called. One man said this. He said, Lord, deliver us from deliverance ministries.
I didn't read this third one, but what do you do if uh, Satan and, uh, um, and demons are the center of the preaching on a regular basis is what you're saying? Um, I guess I'd have to ask you, are you being fed there? Are you being fed the word? Are you growing spiritually? Or is it, you know, you have to make a decision sooner or later. Uh, some preaching makes the devil look so much bigger than God. All right. Accurate preaching makes the devil look like an outcast, a defeated foe, and he's the one that should be afraid. Okay? Um, Jesus said that the prince of this world is judged. That's a good name for the devil. Judged. Okay? Uh, but I, I, I don't know how I would ever raise my family in that over a long period of time. Just begin praying that uh, they'll get a revelation to preach more about Jesus. And, you know, just keep praying for your leaders if you're still going to be there. Um, Okay. I got more questions. <laughs> but uh, what would you do if someone uh, close to you is kind of possessed? Um, and it looks like he's enjoying all that. Okay. Um, but as one concerned, what would you do? I, uh, I don't have enough information there. Okay. Uh, being possessed, I don't think uh, uh, most most Christians have never seen somebody that has been possessed, because uh, and I didn't mean to teach on devils and demons. All right, uh, that's not what the class was about. But uh, uh, from what I see in Scripture, uh, a person can only be possessed by one devil. There can be another legion of them there, but only one will possess. All right. Um, if a person's possessed, they won't be hanging around you. Now, somebody can be obsessed. They can have uh, oppression, oppressed. You know, being oppressed by Christians could have things talking to them all the time if they allow that, and it appears it changes their personality. It changes a lot of things. But uh, if somebody's possessed, you would know it. Uh, but if somebody's really got problems with the flesh is what we're having here. A lot of people, a lot of people in the church around the world, because they don't have good teaching, um, it's not just Christians, but the churches are, are actually ruled by the flesh. And if you read what the works of the flesh are there, you know, uh, we're talking about walking in the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Okay. It says the works of the flesh just before that. And it talks about, okay, it looks like a list of evil spirits, but it's not. It's flesh. But if somebody operates in the flesh long enough in a certain area, a devil will show up. Okay? A, a vulture, even an eagle will do this. Uh, they're attracted to dead meat. Carnality, all right, uh, it, it, the word carnal actually means a meat. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. All right. So if somebody's always in the flesh, it looks like they're being dominated by the devil, but it's just their flesh. We need more teaching on how to walk in the Spirit. Because yes. the Bible tells us if you walk in the Spirit, 
you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say stop doing all the works of the flesh and then you will be in the spirit. A lot of our preaching is don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. We should be teaching them what they can do in Christ Jesus and then they'll, then they'll walk in the flesh. You give people a better life to live, a lot of them will take that opportunity. And uh, Malachi what? Malachi 3.10, what is that? Tithing? He'll rebuke the devourer for our sin? Yeah, uh, but right now we're living under a new covenant. No matter what, we're living under a new covenant. Is that right? And he's given us authority in the church. Okay? I thought you wanted me to talk on tithes and I'm going. Had some students one time ask me a question after class. They said, uh, much like this, they said there's a scripture where it talks about there's silence in heaven for the space of, a, what is it, a half hour? Is it a half hour? Half an hour? They said, Brother Bibi, do you know what that is? I go, no. I said, but I've got a guess. I can give you my opinion. They're all leaning in. What do you think it is? I said, well, if you have silence that long, somebody's probably said the word tithe. Okay? But under the new covenant in Christ Jesus, he expects us to take his name and, and deal with the one that's trying to rob us. All right? And I'll tell you something about tithing. I'm glad this came up. Tithing is a confession that God has already met all of our financial needs. It was a confession under the Old Covenant in Deuteronomy chapter 26. They brought the tithe, and as they brought the tithe, they were making a confession. Amen? Amen. Study Hebrews a little bit on that subject of tithing, and you'll get a revelation. Yep. Well, who uh, tithed to... Uh, uh, who was it? Yep, that's on the spelling test. Melchizedek. Who tithed to him? Abraham. Abraham. As soon as he tithed to Abraham, what did Melchizedek do? He blessed him, but in that blessing, he said something that had not been heard before. He revealed a name of God. There's a study for you right there. God is the Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. And only two people have had that order of Melchizedek, Melchizedek himself, and then Jesus. And when you tithe, you're tithing because of that revelation. God is the possessor of heaven and earth already. By covenant, he's, he's going to meet all your needs. See, financial blessing in your life can't be any different than any other blessing under the new covenant. Other than money is in this earth, it's part of this world. But that makes it a confession. Amen? Actually, in covenant talk, did you know 100% of what you have, have belongs to God, not just 10%? Every bit of it belongs to God. Well, if it all belongs, belongs to God, how come we're not just bringing everything? Your check, 
How come you're not doing it? Because the tithe is a confession. When you bring your tithe, you're saying, God has already met all of my needs. You're not doing it to strong-arm God into sending you a financial blessing. It's not like a, you know, you give this and then God will do this. No, in redemption, God has already provided all of your needs. The one that comes to contest what belongs to you is the devil, the accuser of the brethren. And how did they overcome him in Revelation? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Tithing is a confession. Okay? I'm sorry I threw that in there. I like to teach on Hebrews. All right. I see that hand. Do you want to get saved? You have a question? Go ahead. You know, the bell just sounded. I know. <laughs> because I was thinking, I have people say they bind. You know, when you bind and bind, what happened to the spirit? Was it loosed along the way? <laughs> well, you know, th those are good questions. Um, you don't have to do that. Uh, honestly, uh, honestly, uh, the, the, it's the prayer of binding and loosing. I think a lot of that is from a distance. But if you're up close and you're, you tell something to get, it gets. It goes. Resist the devil. Okay? It's got to go. I don't have to tell the devil, oh, by the way, devil, you're bound. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to use that terminology. The thing that Satan or a, any kind of spirit needs to hear, okay, is the name of Jesus, and then I tell it it has to go. You cannot stay. Now, if it's a spirit of infirmity, okay, spirit of infirmity, which is, uh, tries to attach itself to Christians all the time. Spirit of infirmity. Now listen to this. Listen. You can receive right now. No matter what's tormenting your body. Okay? Uh, you want to get rid of some of those symptoms in your body? Are you ready for this? Okay? In the name of Jesus, do you want me to say something to it? I can do it. All you have to do is agree with it. Now, will you agree with what I'm going to say? Because I'm going to tell it to go in Jesus' name. And it has to go now in Jesus' name. Spirit of infirmity, no matter... See, you, you cannot earn your healing. It's given by inheritance. It already belongs to you. Okay? But your faith's confession, you're just agreeing with what God did. Okay? I, I wish I had a lot more time to talk on devils and things like that. Um, I, I wish... I wish we didn't have a bunch of books that we have on demonology and things. Oh, boy. I don't know which is worse, the devil or some of the books written about him. I really, I really don't know. People are trying to figure out where he came from, where he lives, where he gets his mail. You know. Let's not get dramatic in it. Let's utter the name and tell it to go now. Okay? It has to obey you. If you be in faith, it has to go. And I'll get back to this statement. You know, he has to, you have to resist him steadfastly in the faith. Amen? So you have to believe he goes. Okay? 
Sister, have a, you have a question? Is that what you have? All right, go ahead. Can you say it loud enough for me to hear? Okay, start, start at the beginning. I'm, I just Can a person who does not walk in love exercise the authority of a believer? Okay, there's not a short answer to that. But God puts up with some things when people are baby Christians. Do you understand that? When people are baby Christians and they don't know what they're doing and they haven't dealt with certain things, and they still have attitudes, and you know what I'm talking about? I was never like that, but maybe you were. <laughs> no, I had a bunch of them. But as a young Christian, you just don't know everything. God puts up with some things, but he'll not put up with unforgiveness for very long. Okay, not walking in love. Okay, if you refuse, I'm just going to pick out unforgiveness. I don't know why. Did you mention unforgiveness? then I'm hearing the word unforgiveness, and this is going to help somebody. Uh, by saying that you refuse to forgive them, what you're saying then, I'm not saying you, I'm just saying general. What you're saying if you don't, if you say, I'm not going to forgive them, you're saying that if you are God, you want them to die and go to hell. And Jesus uh, talked about that in Matthew. All right. Uh, okay, who, who submitted this? Hey, help me out. What, what's... First fruits? Okay, now your question is what about them? First fruits? What's the difference between tithes and first fruits? You know, tight is like the ten percent of your income. That's tight. But there's another one they call first fruit. I'll tell you that the first in, your first ending for the year is called first fruit because in the hood, the children of Israel were always bringing their first fruits after every harvest during the season of harvest. They bring okay, their now you first quiet fruits. down because I can't hear when you're talking. All right. Okay. Okay. There's a question about a teaching on first fruits. Is that right? I don't know what that teaching is. I know there is one that went through the United States a few years ago, and it was confusing as all get out. All right? Um, I'm not real stupid, okay? And I'm not the smartest person that you'll ever meet. But when you can confuse me, and that's what this first fruits thing did. Listen, we're under a new covenant today. I know there's some great things that you can learn from different feasts and uh, things that they had in the old covenant, but we're not under that old covenant anymore. We're not under that old covenant because if you are a debtor to do just one part of the Old Testament, the New Testament says it's not just that one part then you're a debtor to. You have to do everything, sharpen your knife, get yourself some sheep, and plan a trip to Jerusalem this year. Because you're going to have to do everything. Oh, and by the way, that sharp knife is not just for the sheep. Think it through. Exactly. Are you listening to me? 
yeah, but Brother Bibi, if you do this and this and this, and you know, under the Old Testament, if you do this and this, you'd be healed. And we're not under the Old Testament. We're under the New Testament. He's already met all of our needs before we ever drew our first breath on this planet. You can only receive His blessings by faith. You can't earn it by going in a special diet. Or, how about this one? If you'll now write me a check out for $5,000, go ahead and start. If you'll write me out a check for $5,000, I will pray and God will heal you. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with what I just said? Several things are wrong, but I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you exactly what I just said. If you see that on television, am I the only one talking? If you see that on television, don't send money in because you're you are in the presence of witchcraft. Because you don't have to give any money to get healed. I said you don't have to give any money to get healed. If you never give money in your church. Healing still belongs to you. If you never give a cent, one penny to church ever, you've never given. You know God loves you the same way. Is that if you've given millions of dollars over your entire life, you can't get God to love you any more than what He does right now. But because I love Him back, because I, I love Him back, I want to give. I want to sow. I want to support. I want to help. Tithe. I want to be led of the Spirit to be able to give above my tithe. Amen? So it's all in our heart attitude, isn't it? Beware of teaching that tries to crank you up to get some, uh, something going that God has already done for you. Alright? I think that was my last one. I don't, I don't know if I answered all of those real well. but I will say this. You, uh, you folks really listen well. It's easy to... I would take this church and build something. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to, but I'm saying. I'd want my church to be like this. All right, so God bless you. And I guess what, next? Whenever. When do we see him again? Dokun? Two weeks? What, are they going to be backslid this next weekend? Or I got another group, is that right? What will they do without me? For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.